When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast sponsored by Overdrive. You can find us on social media at Pearl Book Nerds on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can send us an email at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com or visit our website, professionalbooknerds.com, where you can contact us using a form to preferably send nice things. For today's episode, I have Joe, Jill, and Tiffany here to talk about some tips and tricks for tackling big series. We're really just going to talk a lot about series in general. So welcome, everybody. Thank you. It's exciting Hi. Hi. So this episode topic came about, I'm going to give Tiffany a shout out because we were chatting about my favorite series, What a Shock, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. And we got to talking about what it is like to tackle series, or if there's a big series that you want to read that seems daunting and you're just not going to go there. What are some tips and tricks to dive in? And then I also just have some fun questions for all of you because I'm curious about what your favorite series are, if there are series you reread. So we'll get into that. But to start, I want to know from this group, which series have you read that seemed really daunting at first to tackle? Was there any like, you know, great white whale for you in terms of series? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. and Roses, Emma, hence the beginning of the conversation, which was everyone at Overdrive has this uh, red and basically tattooed on their brains and their bodies. And I just read the first book or half of the first book once upon a time and never came back to it and I thought I really cannot connect to all of you in the same way that others can connect because I've never read this before so I determined this was the year of the series and that I would try to tackle some of these big guys and so here we are in the midst of it. How is it going? What motivated you to finally just do it? Was it like I got to be in the know? Yes, I think when you get that many recommendations by so many people you trust, it's sort of like I'm missing out on something great here. And I really had to get through the first book. Once I got through the first book, I realized when I thought I'd read about half of it the first time, maybe I read a quarter and thought I'd read far more. (laughs) Uh, So now I'm on to book four. That's another story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I got into it, it was sort of like, okay, I know this is going to be a lot of reading because they're long, but I want to do it. Now I have to know what happens. Yay. What about you, Joe or Jill? Were there any uh, great white whales for you? Oh, oh yes. (laughs) Oh yes. And we did it live on this podcast. The Twilight Saga was my great white whale. I DNF'd it so many times like so many times I'd read 10 pages and then be like "Ah, this 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 is trash and then I'd put it down for years and then I'd see a movie randomly with an x and go you know what maybe I'll try to get through so I can get to the book that this movie was and uh, yeah uh it it happened though and the listeners got to experience it in real time. And truly, it took away a month of my life, uh, both in reality and I believe spiritually. So for part of that, though, but I know you listened to the audio. So is that uh, something that helped you sort of get into it was picking maybe an alternate format? Yes. Switching to the audiobook made it so much less daunting because I could take these massive I don't even want to say massive. I want to say bloated. These bloated books just full of kind of nonsense 
And now I do, I do love Twilight now, but bloated nonsense. I stand by it. It allowed me to take those and speed them up. So I could listen at one and a half time the speed and I could do it while I was doing other things. So whether I was working, whether I was cleaning up the house, walking the dog, like there were other ways that I could get past this uh, and not feel like I was ra- wasting my precious sit down and read time. I yeah. Bloated is <laughs> a great description. That is a great description. Thank you. That's that's just what it felt like. It felt like maybe not word salad, but just a, a word buffet. Yes, a word buffet. That that sums it up. Um, I think for me, the one that took me a really long time to get into was the King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. To be fair, we're still waiting for the third one, and I don't think it's ever coming, but that's a different story. But that first book took a really, really long time. Um, I I had people recommend it. They kept telling me, like, just wait till he gets to school, wait till he gets to school. It takes him a really long time to get to school. And so I quit that book so many times because I just could not get through the first section of exposition. Um, and admittedly, once I finally push through and he does get to school, it's great. I love it. Nowadays, when I read it, I skip the beginning. I just start when he gets to school because the rest is... I mean, I'm sure at some point it will be necessary information to have, but it it's it it's not it, it's a slog. It's hard. <laughs> That's a through. great point. I really like the idea of like segmenting your reading almost, or just kind of like I read the whole thing once. Now, when I want to read it again or revisit for context, I can skip the part that <laughs> like skim it to remind myself. Right. But um, yeah, that's that's a tough one. I have a a sordid relationship with that book. Um, Also highly recommended by close friends. I had a physical copy. I remember sitting with a like TV table that you pull up the legs under your couch and opening it and reading it by, I don't know, it seems like candlelight, but I'm sure it was not just page after page. And my biggest takeaway was I remember there were silver talents and that was their currency because of the number of times I was told how many talents a thing cost. And I don't think that's probably what I should remember from the story, Um, but it is. And I agree that that part was so long and I sort of missed the relationship that he had with his mentor. Like I I looked forward to that being a bigger storyline. Maybe it is in the second book and maybe that's the whole point of this episode is I should read it. (laughs) I mean, admittedly, I don't remember much from the second one. I've read the first one, The Name of the Wind, multiple times. I think I have read the wise men's fear maybe twice I don't I know he go there's like a whole situation with the fae um which is why as we discussed in the will I survive I don't read a quarter of thorns and roses because I don't mess with the fae or fairies or anything like that just don't go anywhere near them um <laughs> so there is a section of that in in the wise man's fear um and then there was like a small um you know, like those like 0.5 kind of books that sort of like sneak themselves in or it's sort of like a side companion novel that I read about about a, a side character. Um, and we'll see if we ever get the third book. Yeah. I'm not really waiting for that one, but we'll see. Maybe one day he'll surprise us. That's the thing with series, which I want to talk about. Um, but just before we dive into some other fun questions I have for this group, I want to insert some tips. So we've all had these series that seem daunting for whatever reason that seem like, even though we want to read them. And I think that's an important part. We want to read them. um, It just seems really overwhelming to even maybe start. And so some tips that we have for you, if you're feeling that same way would be to take notes. If you want, if you like to annotate or highlight or do any of that, whether it's in your physical book or your digital book, or even in your audio book, because spoiler alert, you can highlight and bookmark in Libby in your audio book. You can take those notes, have those annotations. You can also read with a friend. So if you're reading or listening or doing something with somebody around the same time, that's always fun. You can talk about what you're at or where you're at in the series with them. You also don't have to read it all at once or in a row. So if there are multiple books in the series already out, you don't have to read all seven back to back to back to back to back, which is the question I'm going to ask for this group because I know there are preferences there. You can also set up page count goals or any goals 
You can use it as like a treat, which I love to do reading as a treat. And um, also a good one that we called out with Joe was consider a different format. So if you normally read the physical, try digital or try the audio book. I'm going to give a shout out to graphic audio because I will never, never stop talking about the graphic audio adaptations of A Court of Thorns and Roses. It is so good. And I know there are people who could not get into that series by reading it. And so the graphic audio versions are coming out and they're fantastic. It's a movie for your mind. If you haven't listened, listen, and don't read it if it's not for you. So all that said, if it's a series you want to read and you give it a go and it's not for you, I think us here at PBN are fully in support of giving up on stuff that does not make you happy. You don't have to read it for the sake of reading it. Absolutely. Those tips are so helpful. Not only did uh, swapping formats help me with Twilight, it's helped me several times, both just going because like, Tiffany, your experience with the giant physical copy on your, you know, pull up table was my experience with the first Twilight book and several other books and switching to either ebook or audiobook was really helpful for some of those where even the book itself just being in your presence is daunting. Um, but the other thing that I really found helpful is reading with a friend, knowing that I could uh, commiserate with Jill about Twilight and kind of giggle with Emma about it as well was super helpful. And it, yeah, uh, bringing, bringing people in makes it a more, I don't know, inviting experience. Uh, Book Talk is thriving, so you can find a pretty simple in just just by going on your phone. That I, I will, go ahead. Yeah, then. I'll also say about audiobooks. Um, my husband is a big fan of the Wheel of Time series. I, I, I can't. That, that is a daunting series. I've tried the first one and I'm just like, I'm not entirely sure this is for me. And yeah, when you have, like he has the whole physical set, it takes up like an entire bookshelf all on its own. Um, but we have in the past, like, you know, six months gone on two big road trips and he gets the audio book, shout out Libby. Um, and that way I'm like, oh, this is actually really interesting. I'm still not going to read the series because it's too long. I'm like, it's, it's, that is too long, but the audio book experience of listening to those books, um, is definitely I guess I technically then have read like two of them. I just don't really remember. And they were very out of order. It was like book one and book like 10 or something like that. Plus those books are so long that the prologue of one of them took like an hour to get through in the audiobook. I I swear to God, we were driving. He like started the book. We're driving, we're driving. I'm like half listening. And then like an hour into our trip, they're like chapter one. I was like, are you kidding me? That was all the prologue. That's a lot. It was like an hour. Uh -uh. It was, yeah, so. Not for you. Not to anyone who got those books. That is not for me. Not for me. And that is okay. No, every book has its reader. (laughs) You don't have to be that reader for every book. (laughs) Um, I hope this group can help me recover from my um, illness of being a, a forced finisher. Sometimes I'll hate read a book. Um, but I feel like I took the first step recently and I created a DNF shelf for myself on Goodreads. Um, and I, I put my first book on it and I thought maybe you could, you can always come back to it later, but with a TBR, as long as mine is, I thought it's not worth it. I'm not enjoying this. Um, I feel like it's an obligation. And so it might finally like the exterior, the hard shell might be cracking finally. It's it's so tough because you described it yourself, Tiffany, like so many people around us are voracious readers and they all love these same series or a lot of the same series. And when you can't get into it, there, there's a there's definitely a feeling to that, like with series in general that you're like, well, everyone loves this. Why don't I? And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of doubt there. There's a lot of questions there. And you're just kind of left wondering. But then you also feel like, oh, well, I know I don't like it. I know it's not for me, but I at least have to finish this first one to say I did it. And there's uh, the only goals that matter are the ones that you set for yourself if you're a if you're a goal based person. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you made that shelf because <laughs> it's tough. 
It's tough to and just say it's not for me. It is. Uh, uh, yeah, you want to enjoy it all, but you just can't. That's the, mm-hmm. the reason we have so many books is because we've got different tastes. Um, but I'm happy to say that the title was the first in a series. So I felt like that was even more impressive because what if I had made myself hate read the rest of the series? So progress. I'm going to go creep on your Goodreads show really. to see what book. But <laughs> yeah, I think call that it out. Good, what book was it? I think that's a good point because I'm similar to you. If I don't like something, you still, I still feel like, oh, like, well, I want to see what happens or like, I want to understand the hype. So I have a very hard time putting books down if I don't like them. I may like skim the end. Yeah. If I, really if depends. I still can't like commit to just dropping it full stop. Right. Like how much did you read already? That for me is a huge thing. If I've read like 50%. Oh, then I feel more obligated, but yeah, no, no, just quit that stuff. Just quit it. So yes, I need this. It doesn't matter how far I am into it. I will drop a book as we discussed with Breaking Dawn. Like I will drop a book and then I'll just go read spoilers on Goodreads. That's what I do. See, and that's an interesting point because obviously Breaking Dawn was the fourth in a series. So if you also feel like you're committed to the series, you've read three, four or five, however many books, I think it's okay to quit or carry on. And I will give an example in this instance where I slogged through book three of the series and it did get better. That was Throne of Glass for me. Air of Fire took me three plus months to read, which for those of you that know how long it takes me to normally read, that's a long time. That's a very long time for me to start a book and then not actually finish it until three plus months later. But that was a case of, I wanted to know what was going on in the Sarah J Moss universe and it did get better, but there were a couple of key things I had to do with that series to help me through that. And that was like, no, I did look up a couple of spoilers because I wanted to know like, okay, is this going to be worth it? What are the things I I'm intrigued to find out by slogging through this origin story in air of fire and it did pay off, but it, I will say that throne of glass is my least favorite Sarah J Moss series. I'm gonna, so, you're going to have to be my mentor when I read that. Like Emma, tell oh, me to keep going. Yeah. Well, yeah. So tips, then it's funny. I think that the, the fandoms have maybe different tips for different series, because there are a lot of things for like throne of glass as an example, where there's like suggested reading order, you know, don't read the prequel first, read it like third. There's all these different ways that you can go about it. And I think that that's also an interesting take that might help you navigate through a series through throne of glass. I did the tandem read if any of you have heard of that, books five and six of Throne of Glass take place at the same time. So you can read them in tandem. So there's a whole chart that somebody put online and it says, read chapters one, two, three of this book, then read chapters one, two, three of this book. And it's a little bit ridiculous to keep track, but I literally printed out the tandem read sheet. I had my paperbacks of each book and then I alternated. And that was actually one of the funnest reading experiences I've had reading two 500 page books simultaneously. (laughs) I like that a lot. And I feel like I just heard a similar thing because I'm trying to get into the Mortal Instruments series and kind of a struggle. Like it's, it's like my wheelhouse, but it's a little off of what I, how I enjoy my books typically. I don't know. It's missing something for me but there is I actually believe Cassandra Clare herself is the one who created her suggested reading order of taking them out of order of the series like prequel goes here this goes there and you can read in the timeline compared to uh, like pub date yeah and so that's fun as well I think you can have fun especially with these more established series because there are surely suggestions from other readers or even the author themselves about how to tackle it with tandem reads or adjusting the reading order. And I think that that's a fun way to maybe mix up your experience. I'm now wondering, there's probably someone I am sure has put that together for Game of Thrones because I struggled through A Feast for Crows when I get to it. And it does exist in tandem to some extent with a uh, Dance of Dragon. And so now I'm like, oh, I 
I bet someone has figured out how to kind of tandem read those. I'm like, I'm gonna go looking now. I bet you you'll find a TikTok. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find something. The like fandom for those books is extensive. So I'm sure I will find something. It's certainly vast. So I have another question for this group because I think we all likely approach it differently. Is do you read all of the books in a series that are out back to back? Do you read other things in between? Do you even touch a series if it's not complete? I'd love everybody's thoughts. Well, I read Game of Thrones and that pretty much, so no, I, I don't need a book series to be complete. I I think it depends. I think there's a limit for me when it comes to reading book series back to back is that um, my brain will start to merge everything and I'll forget. I'll get, I'll, I'll like hit a wall at some point with books with a series where it's just like, I cannot read this any longer. So I try to mix things in there a little bit. So I don't hit that wall and can, otherwise I'll just like drop the series and it'll take me forever to get back to it. So I try to pace myself a little bit. Hey nerds, I'm Sarah, the paper nerd. And if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the paper fold where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, The Paper Fold, now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. I um I, I have to start with like I was the the middle grade YA reader when a lot of the now very well established long running series we're starting. So I grew up on waiting for the next book to be out. Like I think with series of unfortunate events, the first three books were out when I started maybe. So I blew through those and then had to just patiently wait for the rest to become available. But I'm also a graphic novel manga reader. Uh, And not only is there a longer wait because I only read in English, uh, so I have to wait for the translation to be done, and then I also wait for them to be packaged. I don't read early chapters online. Um, That takes a ton of time. So there are some instances where I'm just used to waiting, so I will start a series. Um, If I am starting like a brand new series and the series is brand new, I don't care if it's not completed. I might struggle a little harder if it's like a six book series and they're on book five, I might wait right around that pub date to get started. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of an odd balance. And then as far as back to back or straight through, I guess it depends on my like fixation of the moment with Twilight. There was no in between reading the Riley Sager literary universe, but you know, back to back, I took no breaks between his books. But other things, I mean, I think if I'm trying to get into a series, I need to look at what else is at the top of my TBR list and balance what I'm more excited for next. If the series catches me immediately and book two is just chilling on my shelf, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to pick that up next. But I might get part of the way into it and switch over to whatever was next on my TBR and kind of flip back and forth and have a couple books open at a time. Much like Jill, I am a Game of Thrones reader, and I'm, I want to try this year to reread um, from the beginning. I've read the first three, but not all. But again, if I were to wait for the last one to, to do them all, that's really a bad idea. Um, but for the uh, A Court of Thrones and Roses series, it's sort of an in-between. I'm reading them back to back, but I'm not 
I always have at least two titles going, if not three or four, depending on the format. So I've been reading those in the ebook format, but I also have some uh, two nonfiction titles uh, on the same device. And so if I feel like I'm still, I still want to read a little bit more on a particular day, I'll finish a chapter in one of the A Court of Thorns and Roses series, and then I'll go read a chapter of like some nonfiction um, just to keep reading, making progress on the story, but I'm not reading something that's going to conflict for the same sort of like world building brain space. Yeah, I, I feel you with that. So I do something similar kind of uh, in that well, it's a little weird. This is not a real problem, but there are things that I'm reading for the podcast and then things I'm reading for just life. And so kind of alternating things that I've committed to reading versus things that are truly just for me, even though again, like I have agreed willingly to read things for the podcast, but you know, the minute it's, it's homework it's different. But so I will listen. Uh, usually I'll try to have something on audio to listen to for like my me read. And then I might be reading something for the podcast in print or uh, ebook or whatever. And then I try to alternate what I'm reading. That said, my go-to me reading audio is, yeah, again, the graphic audio versions of A Court of Thorns and Roses that I am just still listening to again. I just finished the court of wings and ruin part one. And now we're back to Akatar part one because I have a problem, but it's just so pleasant to listen to in the background. And so that's another good segue into something is do you reread series often? Are there go-tos that you have like me, uh, where you'll just, that's your comfort read. You'll just pop the audio on, or you'll just go back and read it. Uh, or do you not reread Joe start with you? Okay. Uh, yes. I did a whole episode with Christina on books I just reread in general, many of which are series, so I won't call out too many of the same ones that I've already talked about, but just to shout out a few of those, the Howl's Moving Castle series, one of my favorite uh, all around, because I also love to pair that with the the movie. Um, uh, also, series of unfortunate events, Hunger Games, Ready Player One and Two. I know that's not really a series, but whatever, to me, uh, to me, they pair well nicely. Uh, pair, oh, my God. They pair well nicely. They pair well nicely. I, I speak real good. Uh, and then I reread a lot of manga. Uh, Sailor Moon, all the time. Uh, uh, Clamp is my favorite artist group. If you're in the know, you're in the know. But that's Cardcaptor Sakura, that's Tsubasa, all of that. Uh, so I reread a lot of those as well. Um, and then I have like a lot of solo books I read. So I don't know. Uh, on the series front, it's a lot of a lot of YA rereads um, because that just always makes me feel happy. Uh, Twilight is not added to that, but I will watch the movies anytime. <laughs> the movies anytime. What about you, Jill? Uh, yeah, I do reread books. I'm actually really bad about reading new books because I mostly reread books in general. Um, let Let's see. I I have read A Song of Ice and Fire, the the George R R Martin Game of Thrones books. Um, multiple times um I do sometimes annotate those because I'll I've read them so often that there are things when you go back and read you pick up on things that sort of a little foreshadowing of, of particular things um especially one um bit of information that has not yet been revealed in the books but was on the tv show um you sort of look for it you're like oh I see what they're doing here um I love um the like YA dystopian type stuff. I loved the Ali Condi matched books. Those are so fun. I don't know why. <laughs> just that's like the only YA type of books I reread is the is the matched series. Um, I love Discovery Witches series um, by Deborah Harkness. And I know you and uh, Emma and I both love the the Tana French Dublin Murder book series and Murder Squad and read those books all the time. So I feel like. This is book therapy for me because you're all challenging me to be a reader that I'm not naturally. Um, I am historically not a rereader. I couldn't tell you a single book that I've reread, but I would like to reread Game of Thrones this year as part of this sort of like I'm doing series component. Um, and Jill, I think you helped in that by noting that 
when you go back, you can pick up on more, which is something that I'm looking forward to. Sorry if you guys can hear Bianca in the background. She's having a great time with my little old doggy. But also in saying that you like to rewatch the movies, Joe, that sort of shifted my frame of reference. I'm not a rereader, but I've watched Dirty Dancing more times than I could even, like infinity. It's infinity times and it's good every time. So maybe that'll change my perspective on books. Um, I just have so many that I'm like, but but if you reread this, you can't read another new one. But you know what? That's okay. And yeah. it is a struggle. Like I agree with Jill that sometimes it's hard to start a new book uh, in the same way that it's really hard to start like a new show or a movie because there are so many things I'm already comfortable with and I want to see again. Uh, but yeah, there there are all of these different adaptations and iterations. Like some books, I greatly prefer the audio over the the reading experience. So you just kind of have to find what feels best for you. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things that I feel like I've learned in just working at Overdrive and being around Libby and access to all of these different formats of reading. I will say prior to working at Overdrive, I was very specific about what format I was going to read. And honestly, now any way that I can consume the content is the way that I'm going to consume it. And so if I find a format that works best for that book or that series, then that's what I'm going to go with. But I think it's interesting because as someone with anxiety, I think a lot of us can relate. There is that balance of, I want to read things that I know are good and comfortable. I know what to expect because we do that with shows or movies or things like that. And I tend to do that with books as well. If I can't cope with diving into a new book because I don't want something that I is unexpected. I don't know if it's going to make me happy, sad, whatever. I'm going to go back to my comfort reads and reread the same series that I've already read. So like Jill, you have that ton of French Dublin murder squad, even though like, why is that a comfort series? It's I don't know. I I do love Tana French. Because I'm eagerly. They're so good. They're so Your good. Writing I'm good. is so gorgeous. That's I, why. It's stunning, and I can't wait for her next book, Tana French. Give us some news. Uh, same thing with the A Court of Thorns and Roses and Crescent City. Obviously, I've reread those a few times. Shout out to Penny Reed's Winston Brothers series and the Knitting in the City series. Those are so wonderful to read. I can't even tell you how pleasant the Winston brothers are. And then hilarious middle school me shout out to the Meg Cabot mediator series. I've read that several times and a couple of times as an adult, which is interesting to read that as a 30 year old. When I first read it as a young tween and you're like, well, okay, this is a whole different ball game. And then another comfort listen for me is hilariously you by Caroline Kepnes only because of the audio narrator, Santino Fontana. So again, I think if you find the format that you like, the narrator that you like, you're more inclined to be invested in it, whether it's just for the duration of the series or to revisit. I wasn't sure when I saw that, uh, that name in notes, I was like, I don't understand the connection. Like, is this a new character on the Netflix series? Cause I've read the first <laughs> two of that. Now that I know it's uh, an audiobook narrator, it's a lot clearer. Um, oh, you're, <laughs> you're <laughs> like, like who Fontana <laughs> in the book. Yes. Um, but something I'm glad that you mentioned like the anxiety component, Emma, because something I'm considering with the Game of Thrones series or Song of Ice and Fire series um, is, I don't know, this might be scandalous. Tell me if you've ever done this. So I think as someone who's pretty sure she has ADHD, well, a lot of our, our like the women of our age group were misdiagnosed or undiagnosed as children. Um, I love audio with a chore because my brain is completely uh, active. Like I am doing something, it's productive and my thoughts can't get away from me because I might be doing dishes. And so I'm really, invested in the story of an audiobook um, makes a lot of sense why like as a kid when the teacher was speaking I would doodle but like I would remember more when I was doodling um, than I would if I wasn't allowed to doodle because you know you were off task. I'm thinking about doing Game of Thrones simultaneously print and audio because I can listen at a much faster speed than I can read and they are so dense and there's so many characters but because I've watched the show and read a few of the books I feel like that might work. I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. I think that might work. And I think you just have to get creative. And I know that there are a lot of people that like to simultaneously listen and then see the words on the 
page or the screen. So yeah. I think there's something there. Now I want to know what's everyone's favorite series. I'm going to be extreme and make you just pick one. I think my answer is obvious, but it's because I've just made it my entire personality. Like the majority of my age group on book talk. <laughs> Everyone, I know this is tricky and I'm putting you on the spot. You have to pick <laughs> your one favorite series. I caveat that I'm putting you on the spot and it could certainly change at any point. It's favorite so, right now. Favorite of this exact moment that I'm forcing you to answer. Joe, go. A series of unfortunate events. Yay. <laughs> I'm like, don't think, just say. Yep. Uh, because the, uh, E- the book and ebook experience is brilliant. You've got beautiful illustrations to start every chapter. Uh, the writing is funny. And for me as a young kid who was always reading above my grade level and needed exactly like you said, Tiffany, the distraction that helped kind of guide me in the direction I needed yeah. to be focused, having to look up words, having to uh, understand new contexts. Like it was super helpful at that age. And then now just to be able to reflect not only in the like nostalgia of those moments and remember like good times past, uh, but also really good storytelling. And then the flip side of that audiobook, uh, Tim Curry. I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. He did all of them except for the one, I think they re-recorded the first one with Neil Patrick Harris. And for that, I will never forgive or enjoy Neil Patrick Harris uh, because that's criminal. <laughs> you can be count all off all you want. Uh, Tim Curry is a legend icon and he is the moment. Tim Curry. See, that's the thing. If the mm-hmm. narrator, if you and find I, the right narrator. And I will say like both, options perfect like there's there's no bad so yeah there we go my favorite tim curry is perfection tim curry is perfection perfection (laughs) uh god this is too hard jill don't Uh, think go say favorite series i'm i'm gonna say one that i didn't actually mention because i i have reread it but it's not one that necessarily came to top of mind right away and that is the wicked series by gregory mcguire i love those books um and they're very different from the musical just as a forewarning if you have only familiar with the musical um but I love those books so much and my copy of Wicked which I have currently lent out to somebody right now is like falling apart from like spine breaking type thing from having been read so often and the other ones as well but that one in particular I've, I've read many 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 times i made a shocked face because i'm impressed you let someone borrow it (laughs) it's my brother-in-law so i trust my sister to make sure i get them back okay (laughs) i was gonna say when they're like certain books nobody's borrowing no matter how much i love you (laughs) tiffany what about you what's your favorite series I'm also going to say one that we've not chatted about yet because it will soon be a trilogy as of next month, I believe, which is the Beartown series by Frederick Bachman, um, which if my mother listens to this episode, she will have some controversial opinions because she says that she did not enjoy the book because it made her feel a lot of things. And I was like, yes, that will happen sometimes in books and you might not always like it, but it doesn't mean it's not beautiful. So I'm really looking forward to the winners coming out soon. Sorry, mom. Oh, so good. I love that. Cause I mean, that's why I read to feel all the feels, but yeah. I understand that maybe you don't want to read for that purpose. I am totally here for folks who are like, I want a cozy mystery. I want something that's not going to challenge me. Like, absolutely. Um, again, that's why we have so many books. Exactly. Um, something for every reader. Speaking of moms, I have two stories. One, my mom did not like um, In the Woods by Tana French because of how it ends. She hated that. Second, my friend read... Um, the discovery which is first and recommended to her mom but failed to tell her mom that it's part of a trilogy and that the first book ends on a cliffhanger she did not tell her mom that and her mom no <laughs> yeah her mom was because this was like when the book first came out the second one wasn't out yet um yeah fun times so that's so funny. That reminded me of my mom's story. She read Twilight, uh, obviously, when I was reading Twilight back in high school because she wanted to see what the hype was about. Like, oh, what's my teenage daughter so obsessed with? I'm going to read. I should probably read these books. 
And she read the first one. And I remember so specifically, she was like, this is the worst thing I've ever read. And just like had absolutely no interest to continue. But I think she carried on just to see why I was interested in it. But she still to this day stands by that it's some of the worst writing she's ever, ever read. I would like to say (laughs) 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 I was going to say I'd like to say hi to Emma's mom and we should talk. (laughs) Yeah, she'll have a lot of things that's she'll have a lot of things to say to you, Joe, about reading the Twilight books. Good. Uh, So final question for this group. We're obviously talking about series. We have a lot of complicated feelings and intricate relationships with these series. But do you prefer reading series or standalone or is there a time and place for both? That is so tough. That is I know, I know. so tough. And I say that ask, having asked one of my best friends this, and she looked at me like I had slapped her across the face. I am going to say series because when I look at the shelves in my home at the end of the day, they are full of book series. But I will also say with the caveat of I think I very often sometimes treat authors like a series. I know I jokingly mentioned Riley, but Riley Sager, I, in the same way that like, I know I keep mentioning Lois Duncan, but Lois Duncan has a literary universe that none of her books are connected, but they are all connected. And so I, I very much view certain authors in the same way that if you go into my home, it's going to be chunks of series and chunks of authors that I enjoy. So series but also treating authors the same way sometimes. (laughs) I think that makes sense. I feel like uh, it might not be um, a chronological series or a story series, but uh, you can be a completionist of an author and you really feel that sense of accomplishment the same way you would at finishing a book series. Yeah. Um, that and that said, I'm I'm gonna say standalone because my shelves do have some series, um, but I do I almost think sometimes it depends on the time of year. Like this time of year, I'm more likely to get into a series um, because that world building when it starts to get fall, like I just like being able to sink into something um, that I know is going to be this entire experience, and you'll have a lot to take away from it. But I would say the first half of the year to three quarters of the year, I'm like more nonfiction and then another standalone. And then, okay, this novel just came out. So I'm going to say standalone. I think it it depends on the book and the author. I like, Joe, that you sort of mentioned this idea of a universe, because I think what I like about series is getting to spend time in a world and a universe that I like over an extended period of time, which a series will do. It will let you continue on through several books. Um, But I think there are standalone books that can create that same uh, feeling. I don't think they happen very often, but there are books I think about where I'm like, that is really only one book, but because of like the story or the timeline it spans, it it feels longer. And I just want to like stay in that world. And then, yeah, I I do think there are authors who, whether they consciously or unconsciously create their own universe where the characters coexist in separate books together, or there's like, you know, like you think about Taylor Jenkins Reid, that that is a universe. Those, like the four books, Evelyn Hugo, Malibu Rising, Daisy Jones, and Carrie Soto, those all exist in the same universe. They all reference each other. There are series sort of, they're not a series in the traditional sense, but if you read them, you sort of see those threads um, or like Stephen King, of course. I mean, outside of the gunslinger, the books are standalone, but they very much, I have a poster to prove it. They very much exist in the same universe. And um, it, it again, like not a series the way we would have been talking about them, but I think it evokes that same feeling or like when we talked to, you know, Courtney Summers yesterday, the fact that Sadie gets referenced in I'm the girl, like, you know, these exist in the same world together. So I think it's a hard question to answer because I think it very much depends on the, the standalone book depends on the author and the book itself for me. But I like, that's why I like series is that feeling of being in a world for an extended period of time. So whatever gives me that feeling works for me. Yeah, I really like that point because I guess what I was aiming to describe is exactly that. Like it's, I think I like series, but no, I just like series that encapsulate that, that make me want to live with those people and live in that world. And absolutely standalones do that and authors do that, even if they're not 
referential or like characters peeking in here and there. I know that's a big trend coming up in like middle grade and YA vaguely connecting all of your books together. But I just like the idea of if your writing makes me feel at home or if it makes me feel some sort of, I don't know, if it's got the vibe, it's it's the vibe. I think that that's in the case of Stephen King used really effectively to make things even more chilling when you're like, oh no, that other entire story was just referenced here and all of the things that came with it, all of this being in the same world, which I love. I think that's part of why I like to read him so much. So yes, and Jill, I love that poster. Um, So I I like this kind of discussion about there's world building in a series, but there's also world building within an author's craft. So um, what about you, Emma? Yeah, I think similarly to all of you, that's something that I think I strive for as well, where there are whole universes that authors create. I'm going to give a shout out to Sarah Dessen because she does this as well, where they're all sort of in these similar locations. You may get reference to a character here or there from a different book, but it's not explicitly called out or it's not necessarily a key point of the plot but for those that have read all the books that come before it's like a nice little nod to those people and those characters to know that they're still out there in that world you know hopefully in that case living there happily ever after so I love that it gives me lots of warm fuzzy feelings where I do collect authors I think as well if it's if it's not a traditional series you kind of collect everything in the universe and I am asking these tough questions without a clean cut answer for myself either because for other authors I can think of like Karen Slaughter I actually have never read her Will Trent series I've only read her standalones and so for her I like the way well, those are a whole different beast type of a book, but um, I wasn't going to say I like that world because I don't particularly. They're quite grim, but I think with the way that she writes those books, I like knowing that with each story, you're going to get really good characters. You're going to get a lot of suspense and a lot of drama. And sometimes I think she does have little bits that are maybe references, but it's not, again, it's not a big call out. It's maybe very subtle because she does like to write uh, in the South, you know, in Georgia and have all those similar references. But for her, it's funny. I've never picked up her series, but I have picked up every standalone. I have Will Trent in my notes for this because I did the same thing. I thought, oh, I want to read this new Will Trent. And a friend of mine who's read them all said, you have to start at the beginning. Like, it's just going to be so much better for you if you start at the beginning. So I ended up picking up one of her standalones and really enjoying it. But now I'm like, that's a 10 book series. Do I want to start at the beginning? I mean, to be fair, I accidentally picked up a Will Trent book, not realizing it was a Will Trent book, but it was one that dealt with coincident, like worked out, dealt with a lot of backstory of Wills. And again, I had no idea until I started listening to it. I got the audiobook and I was like, oh, this is a Will Trent book. And then it dealt, yeah, there was like backstory that um for me was probably yes, unearned because I had not read all of the books up until that point, but I still enjoyed it. I Uh, Yeah, I do really like her standalones. And I think that's sort of the struggle with some series like the Will Trent books or, um, you know, like mysteries do this a lot, whether it's the Sue Grafton books or, um, oh God, what's the other one? Um, Janet Ivanovich, where there's like a recurring characters and you don't necessarily have to read them in order because each book usually will deal with its own kind of mystery. But also there's little stuff that you're not going to necessarily appreciate if you don't read them in order, but that's also a big commitment. And so I struggle with that with with certain books, like book series like that. Yeah. And I think like the Dublin Murder Squad books where that's, they're like labeled as the series, but they follow different characters from the same world that were maybe a side character in the prior book. And so you don't particularly got lots of interaction or lots of backstory, but it is being able to pick up on those small clues or those things that came before that help you kind of not get more meaning necessarily, but understand the people in the story and the world a little bit more because you have all of that, you know, backstory or insight from those different perspectives. 
I think there's a place for all of those. And I sort of have my preferences for different series, different authors, like the Winston Brothers series by Penny Reed. It follows each sibling. They all kind of have their standalone love story. And the timeline is all kind of happening, you know, all these things are happening in sequence, but you can technically come in and read any of those love stories in and of itself. I think it just depends on how much you want to involve yourself in the world, where if you want to have that full picture as the author has given it to you, you can. And if you just want to kind of do a slice, you can do that as well. And I like having the option. Definitely. Awesome. I am so happy we got to talk about series. There is a lot. I think the conclusion to be drawn here is that you can do it however you want. Absolutely. Pretty oh, much, without yeah. a doubt. And that our biggest tip would be to make it an experience that works for you. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't want to finish it, don't finish it. Read what's don't for you. finish it. <laughs> That's right. No judgment. Exactly. Okay. This is my emotional support group. Or try a different format. <laughs> Those, those are my two things. Don't do yes. it or try something else. And on next week's book therapy, we will be talking. No. Uh, Please okay. make sure your insurance info is up to date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but thank you so much, everyone, for coming to chat about series. If you have a favorite series, we would love to hear what it is. If you had a series that you did not finish, I would love to hear that as well. Send us a note at professionalbooknerds.overdrive.com or find us on social media. We are at ProBookNerds on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Thank you, everybody, and happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.